0: Embracing Optimism, an inspiring interview with Shauna Adamic. She's the Executive Director of Oracle Health Foundation. Join us as we dive into this enlightening conversation with her, the dynamic Executive Director of Oracle Health Foundation, known for her audacious optimism. Shauna shares how embracing the unknown and igniting willpower can unlock endless possibilities in life. As a former NFL cheerleader for the Kansas City Chiefs and a proud survivor of a rare brain tumor, Shauna's story is one of resilience and courage. Despite being hearing impaired due to life-saving surgery, this hasn't stopped her from using her voice to break barriers in healthcare and inspire others to live boldly and optimistically. Tune in to hear more about her leadership style, approach to change, and how she empowers people to create their future with hope and confidence. Don't miss out on this inspirational journey of audacity, optimism, and survival. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've
1: been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education.
2: That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children.
0: On this podcast, we'll talk about
1: everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself.
0: Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while. We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Let me introduce the guest that we have today. Shana Michelle, Shana Michelle Adamic is the Executive Director of Oracle Health Foundation and Director of Oracle Social Impact. With over two decades of experience in corporate philanthropy and healthcare IT, she advocates for health equity and global change. Shauna's unique journey includes being a former NFL cheerleader and overcoming a rare brain tumor. As an influential keynote speaker, she inspires others to embrace change, overcome obstacles, and live optimistically. Please help me welcome Ms. Shauna. Hi, how are you? Great. Shauna. it's a pleasure to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, April. It's a pleasure to be on here and just to be talking to you. I know you and I have had a chance to talk and I just love everything about you and the energy you bring. So thank you for having me on the show.
0: Oh, my pleasure. That being said, let's share with the audience. Let's let them get to know you. Can you share a little bit of background so we do? Yeah, absolutely. I think you did an incredible job
1: on introing me and giving me a little bit more information. But you know, I I really am someone who has been in the philanthropic world and a corporate sense. For the last 21 years, and that's actually hard to believe a little bit, but with my corporate experience and it's specifically in bridging the gap between what we're doing in digitizing healthcare and filling the gap, closing the gap in healthcare for children's healthcare world worldwide. My team is literally removing barriers uh, to essential healthcare for children around the world, whether that be through providing funds for a hearing aid or provide, providing a life-saving grant for a liver transplant that's the work that i've been focused on with my team for nearly two decades we've given out more than 40 million dollars in grants To 17,000 children in 107 countries. And we're going to keep going. That is just part of my story. And so the other part, as you mentioned, is the NFL, which I love go Kansas City Chiefs and was on the sidelines for them for nearly a decade. And there's so much more that's part of my journey. But the health part of my journey has really become something that's so important to me. And I talk about quite a bit.
0: Yeah, well, you definitely have this really cool background. Now, I can see how much it lights you up when it when you talk about the children and how much work that you're doing in that and it's incredible and the amount that you are doing and you're partaking in that is is really profound and really beautiful. So I'm curious because I want to know more about the the cheer because I know that that was an extensive time period for a cheerleader. So let's talk about that a little, little bit, but. Let's start with what really inspired you with children to really advocate for them and bring them all of the things that they need when they're going through such troubling times?
1: Sure. You know, I started, I appreciate you asking that question. You know, philanthropy has been something that I fell in love with from you know, in a, the early part of my 20s. And, I, and to be completely transparent, it's not something that I even knew that I was going to launch my career in. When I graduated from college, I graduated with this idea that I was gonna be an, a broadcast journalist and I was gonna be the next Katie Couric. And I remember going to, I was interning with NBC at the time. I went to this interview with a healthcare IT company um, that was founded here in Kansas City, and at that time, I was going for an interview about this foundation they were starting that had three people on it. And I remember sitting there with the founder's wife, the founder who founded this healthcare IT company. His wife started the foundation, Jean. And I, shortly after we started talking, and I started sharing with her what I was doing at the moment, what I wanted to do in my future. She said, "I can tell you're a storyteller, and I know that you want to be on camera, but let me." Let me tell you how you can tell the stories for these children and save their lives. And it was something that really spoke to my heart right away that I gravitated to. Um, I've had a lot of experience, you know, my own personal experience growing up with hardships and understanding that there are moments when you just want to help this child where a child just needs somebody to advocate for them. And that's what we see at the foundation. These children who are coming to us where their parents have gone through every single insurance loophole you can imagine. They're coming to us from um, overseas, from different parts of the world where it's just not, they can't get the access to care. And when they come to us, we know that they need our help. And so that moment she said that about becoming that storyteller to, to, to connect to that cause really hit home with me. And then it started to really make sense what I was doing and what I was made to do. And that was to be able to speak for these kids, for these families, and, and talk about this idea of we have the power to help children around the world and let's find a way to do it.
0: It's really beautiful because it seems to me like it's this thing that is really meant to be. A course in your life because it sounds like it's really come full circle, it and has. yeah, so you it has come up in different parts of your life, this specific topic, this specific area, and and it just keeps coming back. So again, full circle, and I'm going <laughs> full circle around and around over that. But yeah, I just see that through what you're telling me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, from even just this idea, so, you know, sometimes you look at life and life can seem to be so it's linear where things just feel connected. And that is how I've I've felt my entire life You know, in these little where you see these little, um, you know, maybe they're life winks. these indicators of things that just start to match up and just start to make sense. And here's why I'm here. Here is why I was there. And this must be maybe this is where I'm going. And that sort of has been, you know, with my career, it definitely has made sense in this puzzle of you know why i experienced certain things as a child and seeing my mother having to advocate for myself and my brothers to to get our own health care and 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 deal with insurance and uh you know and and see if parents struggling with cancer and and then to be thrust into this environment where now i'm advocating for care for these other people and these children um and then it's also you know it, it, I never never thought in a million years as I started to lead this foundation to lead the development of the foundation the fundraising telling the story connected to this corporation that was literally the leaders in digitizing healthcare for hospitals around the world, that healthcare was going to become part of my story. And five years ago, it became a big part of my story. And so when you talk about coming full circle, it really has. And it's really, you know, I learned early on how to use my voice, how to use my voice for others. And I learned in a big way in the last five years of my life, how to use my voice for me.
0: Yeah. And I love that you bring in that we're talking about this because I agree with you. When we start to reflect on all of the things that have happened throughout life and how it benefits us and how we are able to show up and serve now yeah. and, and in the, the future, it's it gives you chills, doesn't it? Right. Because I had this experience and even though it was tough, it gave me the understanding and the knowledge to be able to respond to something that can be very beneficial and helpful to us now, and so I'm curious. You had a, a cheerleading career as well, so we can jump into that a little bit because that. What do you think that the play in that, Shauna, is? And in, in, when we consider all of the hats that we've worn throughout life, how has that really brought you to 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 have the experience that you need to show up the way you do today?
1: Oh my gosh! I mean, I. Once a cheerleader always a cheerleader and I think that is a little bit of my of, of my nature but you know cheerleading is was something that was so important to me and, and still is but it was it was more than that for for people who don't know actually NFL cheerleading is dancing so I'm a, I was a professional dancer, dancer and I danced my entire life dancing at an early age was an outlet for me and it was something that I saw you know, I was in. I had an experience at a younger age where my my mother was a single mom. We had lost my father to cancer. She couldn't afford to do certain things for us, and she asked a local dance studio if I could take dance lessons at about the age of eleven. And she asked them if I would, if they'd be willing to let me work for dance dance lessons to wow. to, in order to take them. So part of my story is the fact that they did let me work there, and I cleaned the mirrors, I sweep the floors. I helped out at the dance studio. And just that part of my life doing that, what that did was I danced my way through junior high, through high school, getting a scholarship in college. I was one of six girls to make the NFL uh, chiefs team the year I tried out with 300. And I stayed on the team for nearly a decade, eight years exactly. And I worked with them in their media department for a while after, but I it, it really changed the course of my life dancing. And when I got on that team for the, for the chiefs, it's, you know, that whole experience of being on a professional team and what it does for you. A lot of people tell me they're like, oh, well, of course you're an optimist. You're a cheerleader. Well, I, I'm not an optimist because I was a cheerleader. I was a cheerleader because I was an optimist. And I took a chance on, on trying out for the NFL when I could have been seen as an underdog. And so, you know, cheerleading gave me some, such an experience in life. It gave me an experience in leadership and, and really collaborating with a team. I mean, you can go on all those cliche things where I say, I, I've seen, you know, some big wins and some big losses. I've seen empty stadiums where you have to kick high when there's nobody in the, in this, in the <laughs> stands. And yeah. it really is though, a challenge of spirit and a challenge of, um, resilience and, and grit. And it's like, you could, I took, All of those lessons I I lived through and continued to apply them in my life that was running parallel to that. And that's uh, through my career. And it's been, again, that linear view. They worked so well together and they still do.
0: Yeah. And, you know, being a cheerleader is not an easy thing, especially for the NFL. And you're right. It's taking that chance and really pushing yourself and getting out of your comfort zone to even apply yourself in that manner. And I have to give kudos out to your mom because, holy geez, her setting you up that way is brilliant. As a parent, that's that's not only giving your child an opportunity to, you know, let go of that energy like you said you know you know it's it's this thing that we get to uh, apply ourselves to when life is hard and so it's yeah. releasing this energy in this beautiful way and so she not only gave that to you as an outlet But she also gave you this this idea that you can work around things, that just because something costs a certain amount doesn't mean that you you can't make it possible. And a sense of entrepreneurship and all of the things and working hard for the things that you want. So I I had to do that for mom because brilliant, bravo. (laughs) I love that you
1: did that because... The way I talk about it is, you know, my mom, who is this personality that's that's shy. And I think, you know, even in that moment, she probably felt a lot of shame going and talking to somebody and asking them for that. Yeah, I I saw this woman who was asking if I could have dance lessons and it was extraordinary. And and for me, that was strength. And that was really, you know, going back to something I talk about all the time is It showed me how to embrace this unknown. She didn't know what that answer was going to be, but she knew she had to ask. And what that did was really set me up on a path that that no one could have told her would have happened. And so I I appreciate that because I think a lot of my mom and I think that she did a lot for me. And, you know, and I I made it make a joke all the time. But, you know, she's the reason I danced for so long. And when I say so long, when I retired from the Kansas City Chiefs. I was 31. And I use that that word retiring purposefully. It's called retiring. So I retired at 31. And I retired. When I retired that year, I was dancing next to an 18 year old who could kick to her face on cue. And I was like, I need 30 minutes to stretch out my whole body. Like, because (laughs) and it's like, you really feel that. But um, I tell you what, dancing was ingrained in my soul. It was a love. And when you see someone work that hard to get something, you work that hard to to get something. And it's like, I, one of my favorite sayings in life is don't try to be lucky, just try to be good. And I think that that was, you know, a moment where I saw my mom, just, she tried, she tried her hardest and she made it happen. And it really put me on my path. So I'm yeah. always a cheerleader.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's beautiful. I really, I'm so glad that we gave that some color. I want to bring in one of the comments. Manly says, I love the reunion story between you and Megan Rucker.
1: Oh my gosh. That is, that's an incredible story. Yeah. And I think that, that story to me is so important because there is this little there a program we have as a chief cheerleader, that is um, our junior chief cheerleading program. And there was this little girl in the program when I was cheering and we actually ended up taking a picture together. I was her big sister in the program when she was a little girl. Years later, at, you know five years ago, after I was diagnosed with a brain tumor and I went through my entire crazy chaotic health journey Um, I, it was this, it was kind of brought full circle that we connected again because, um, Megan, um, also had a a brain tumor and she, she unfortunately had one of a different kind. And that one was one that was that, um, she didn't live much longer than that. The moment that we got to, to, uh, see each other again and have a moment where we got to, you know, you know meet one another in a different space and again coming back to that moment of there's there's a reason for everything and we met at a time and place when we were both cheering on the field she is a little girl me as part of the cheerleading team and met again in a space of where we looked each other in the eye and it was a I I I see you and i know this journey and and she is so tough she was so tough
0: oh my gosh you You are wonderful for being able to hold it together because just hearing that story, it makes me want to cry. And so now as I bring myself back together so I can continue (laughs) on with the show, but that is, that's the, that's amazing how we, we are put in people's lives in this world where we are so intertwined and connected in some way or another and it's just this beautiful exchange of like you said we look into each other's eyes and we just are able to say me too and yes. i i get you and i'm here with you and so that's so beautiful
1: yeah and i think it's like those moments are really those are those are such incredible life moments i know you know this that i really operate in a manner of, you know, optimism isn't just something that I believe is sort of fluffy. It's not, it's not just this wishful thinking or hope, hope. It's a, it's more than that. It's really a daily practice for me. It's a life strategy that there is more that I have more to give, that there is going to be opportunity in every challenge. And I think when you're able to meet people there too, where you're able to say, listen, I see this, I see this challenge and I see you. And you're able to offer that dose of encouragement to them. I think that's the space where I love to thrive and I love to meet people in. And, um, you know, that's, I, I think those moments actually sometimes can be rare. And I, I want us all to be able to be there. And I, that's what I want to give to others is is that inspiring, that that inspiring motivation, that courage, that push to do more and to, to believe more in themselves.
0: Yes, absolutely. And that's what each other, that's what we're able to do for each other. And I feel again, going back to the cheerleading experience, and that was such a huge part of your life that I'm going to probably be referring back to that a few times because you do learn so much <laughs> about the teammanship, the the Absolutely. place that you have to be in order to to perform at, at that capacity when the stands are not there, when the weather is intense, you have to keep pushing through. And it is a together thing and a teammanship thing. And you apply that in and throughout the rest of your life because you have that understanding that that's what it takes, that that's what it is. And so coming into when you first, learned that you had a brain tumor. I know your journey, I spoke with you a little bit that it took actually a very long time, a long winded journey to come to that final consensus of this is, this is what it is. Now let's talk a little bit about that journey. What was going on in your life during that time? And, and how did you go about this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I, going back to cheerleading again, retired from being a cheerleader in 2011, I also started to notice that I was losing my hearing just a little bit on my right side, but not enough that it was too alarming, but enough where I was like, I should probably go visit a doctor. So I did. And um, initially, the doctor actually said you're probably losing it because you cheered in the loudest stadium in the NFL, and that sounded right and, until it didn't, because it got worse. And so I went oh. back again and again and again to see a doctor with with symptoms that were increasing between the years of 2011 to 2017. I saw my primary care physician, or I went to the ER, or I saw some sort of specialist 109 times. To put that in perspective, the average person sees a doctor four times a year. I kept going back to the doctor saying something is wrong with me, and and I somebody looked at everyone would look at me and think you look healthy. There is nothing that actually seems to be wrong. I was going back with dizziness, so it started with the hearing loss. Then I started to um, experience a little bit of dizziness, almost kind of like the allergy symptoms, some sinus pressure, um, headaches, reoccurring ear infections, Um, and then my Mm. eyes started get this wave to them. Um, I actually started to feel uh, this tilting. I always described it as like the v- old V8 commercials. where We just kind of felt like a little bit off, off balance. Um, then I started to experience extreme vertigo to where it would last for 20 seconds. I couldn't, I didn't even know what ground zero was. I would, it felt like I was being whipped around. Um, mm-hmm. And the point, the breaking point was when, and you know, I speak a lot on stage, I've hosted a lot of events. It's when I, I started to lose my my words. There was one specific time at an event I host uh, for the company that I'm still part of today, a masquerade ball. And I was on stage in front of a thousand people and I lost a word for just a split second, but it felt, felt like eternity to me. And the word that oh. I lost was actually community. And I couldn't get it out of my mouth. And I got off stage and, um, it was just a few days later, I would see a celebrity interview with Maria Menunos talking about her symptoms that led her to find a brain tumor. Now, Maria and mm-hmm. I have actually become friends and connected since that time. And uh, she helped me a lot during the process, but that interview and that experience on stage made me reach out one more time and say, I just need to see another specialist. I need to have another MRI because the first one missed brain tumor and that's a whole other story. Yeah. And uh so that is ha- actually, you know, the years that led up to getting into the specialist. And when I got there and I told them that I thought I had a brain tumor, um, you know, I still looked healthy. I passed the balance test. I passed everything. They sent yeah. me for an MRI. And 20 minutes after I had that MRI, I got a call from the doctor and he said there is something there. It's big, it's life threatening and you have to get back in the office. It wow. was a crazy moment moment in time. But it also, I think when, when I, you have to be able to look at everything and think, what am I going to get from this moment that I can do with the rest of my life? That for me was a lesson in advocacy. It was a lesson in knowing my own body, knowing that when the symptoms were being blamed on being a woman, on having a period, on breastfeeding my children, um, that I had to actually force them to believe me that it was more than that, that when we just have to do. And so um, that's part of the platform. When I speak on that, on advocacy, I talk about that self-advocacy. That's so important. It's important for you. And it's also helpful for, for doctors because doctors are underneath and underneath an immense demand right now. So I think that it's something that uh, is definitely, I hope everyone takes on and they they become their yeah. own advocate.
0: I think that's one of the strongest messages is your own advocacy. If you really feel that something's not quite right here and holy cow, that is an extensive amount of time. What is that six, seven years that you endured going to doctors, a hundred and something doctors and always being told, Oh no, you're great. You're healthy. Everything's fine. And not really doing a more internal look. That's that's incredible. I don't know how you maintain faith in the healthcare system after that, if you do, and I know you do. So amazing. But yes, going back to, yeah, advocating advocating for yourself. And when we talk about losing our words, I don't know what my excuse is, Shauna, but whatever. (laughs) Maybe I need to go advocate for myself and get a closer look inside there. Right. But that you know that is such an incredible journey that you experienced and you know i i too it took i was diagnosed at 15 i had symptoms since birth so it took a good amount of time to find wow. you know that i had systemic lupus and so as a child going through the healthcare system going to children's hospital and a on a weekly basis, it, you know, it took a long time for them to find that because it was extensive blood work, but I don't know how there's an excuse for you this day and age. So, uh, amazing, amazing. So what do you feel on top of advocating for yourself and really listening to that intuition was some other things that you learned from that experience? Mm
1: -hmm. Oh man, I, I you know I learned so much. I think my entire life has been a lesson, and in, in the I think it more than a lesson. It's been the the growth of being an optimist. But I think that experience, what that taught me, is what I'm I'm capable of. What people are capable of uh, facing emotionally and physically. That experience tested me in every single way. There was a moment where I found out that. The care plan I received after getting the diagnosis of a golf ball sized brain tumor compressing my stem. and they gave me one year to live without the right surgery. The care, the care plan I received didn't offer any hope. It offered several mm. surgeries, radiation to, to my head and so many other things. And I, I, that to me, you know, was something that it's like, how can they not have a better answer for this yet? And I knew, I knew my right as a patient to go out, out and get my a second opinion. And I did. I actually didn't even know how to do that. I reached out to Mayo Clinic. I worked my network within my company. Um, and I immediately put it on social media. And uh, it was actually through a connection on social media that I got a second opinion in Chicago at Loyola. Flew up there within 24 hours, sat in front of those doctors. And they told me this is going to be a big surgery with a big outcome. And you're going to get your life back. And mm. I knew that there were going to be things that I was going to under that I was going to have to undergo. I got everything in line. I, I worked out as hard as I could because they told me the the more in shape you are, the better, the better your chances of recovering quickly are going to be. They only gave mm-hmm. me a 4% chance of getting back my smile and my facial function on my on my right side. And oh I just God. knew I had to go oh in this with strength and really the endurance to endure everything that was what was going to come my way. What I didn't expect was I checked all the boxes of getting ready, everything that I could do everything I could control, but yet it was still so out of my control. I will never forget the week before I left for this 13 hour surgery. Um, and it was a moment that I woke up and I just, I wrote down all of my worst fears, everything that was out of my control that I hadn't yet dealt with. It was not coming home to my kids, not them having to live, them having to live life without their mom, uh, me being a different mom, all of these things that were terrifying Oh, yeah. And then I think it, in that moment, almost, you know, it's I, you can't call it anything but spiritual, like falling to my knees and just being a, like almost crying and like saying whatever I get back after this point will be a gift. And I remember the moment I woke up and really woke up, you know, after all the medicine and a couple of days later after the surgery, couldn't move one side of my face. But I started to open my eye and I kind of was mumbling some words and I remember feeling genuinely happy. And I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, I'm me. Like, I, I know who I am. I know my kids, like I'm awake and I'm on the other side of surgery. And I think what that taught me is it's, it's also a, it's also, was it, it was a lesson in life of, of knowing when that gratitude of just being alive and that actually changes your perspective on quite a bit when you're able to ground yourself in a moment of oh my god i'm awake
2: our lives were never the same after we learned our 21 year old daughter Kristen was murdered by her ex-boyfriend it's a parent's worst nightmare how much did we really know about domestic violence back then clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast, and my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and and especially actual DV survivors, give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts Podcast. It's a series of lives being saved.
0: Wow. Oh my goodness. Shawna, I'm trying to hold it together. I must be very (laughs) emotional today because uh, I've done... Hundreds of interviews, and your story is so resonating with me, and it's just pulling at the heartstrings as a mom, and having that those those dark dark feelings of not being able to be there for our children is 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 deep, and oh. that I mean it, it <laughs> is like. I I recall that I think that's also one of the biggest blessings. And I think that's the same for you. Like when we consider those things, it just makes us stronger and it really helps push us through a different outcome other than the, than the ugly outcome. Right. And when we have this uh, desire to, I'm not going to be that for my kids. I refuse. I'll be, I'll be damned if, you know, sort of way of thinking, and i'm not going to allow this to define me and so it's those things are are really really powerful and really profound when it comes to motherhood the other thing that i heard that really resonated with me is when you talked about how you could come out of the surgery and not have your smile and Mm -hmm. as you're a beautiful woman And I have experienced times in my life where my, my facial features were at risk due to my disease, either, you know, scarring on my face or scarring on my lips. And I recall there was one time when I had this terrible growth on, on my lip and I had to have it removed. And I was so terrified because they were like, well, it it could disfigure you like, you know, for a long time. And, um, I remember it having such a profound effect on me because the the thought in my head was my boyfriend is never going to want to kiss me, <laughs> and, oh. and, and I, that's all I wanted. My I just wanted my lover to be able to love me in the way that we were familiar with doing, in the way that we enjoyed, and you know it's it's those things as just i was i was going to say a woman but as a human being those things that really hit hard that are yeah, the absolutely. challenges and the the deepness of when we go through these physical ailments in life
1: yeah you know i think that thank you for sharing that and i think you know you're right on when it's you, you know that that aesthetic side of that was was something that i had to continue to come back to and continue to to remind myself every day that the, the strength I had, I, there is this vivid moment in time after that surgery, where I remember looking at myself every single day in the mirror and having this moment where I didn't recognize the person who was staring back at me. And I remember thinking, I was like, okay, they said that there was a 4% chance, but there's a chance. And I wrote on a piece of paper, I said, I will smile with uh, and show all my teeth. I will swallow with both sides. I will open my eye completely um, and I will be a better version of me. I wrote that on a piece of paper and I taped it to my mirror. And every single time that I had to, you know, I went, walked into the bathroom, washed my face or anything I had to read that. Even if it wasn't out loud, I saw it. And I had to continue to say, I will. And there is a power in telling yourself that you will, that you have the ability to do something. And that moment, it's like, talk about coming full circle. I literally had to be my own cheer team. And it was staring myself in the face and telling myself that I will. And also learning to love who I was after that moment.
0: Shauna, that is so, so powerful. Thank you for sharing that because I think that it's the things that we do along that journey in those moments of you know, that not everybody knows about and yeah. yet had such a, a profound impact. So you writing down those words and, and speaking the truth in advance, right? And, yep. and making that come to fruition because you were you were intentional. And you concentrated on the things that you desired the most. And because you did that, look at here you are. And you're gorgeous (laughs) and you're smiling and you're here with us. And I don't think I ever mentioned, too, that uh, my mom had a brain tumor in her 30s and had to have the surgery to have it removed. And she's here today, which is wonderful and beautiful. But, you know, it's amazing these stories where we are given this expectancy to, to not survive things. And yet there's so many stories of success and the miraculous happening. And I would say absolutely that you're one of those because of the things and the choices and the optimism that you had. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: I, I, you know, I feel so fortunate and I know this isn't everyone's story. And I also know that there is a piece of my story that could be a conversation of health equity. And I had the resources to get the care I needed and everyone should have that story. And that that's a, probably another right. conversation for a different day, but it's, it's one that one that is a, a big one. I feel, you know, I, I feel so connected to this, to the journey that I've lived so far. And I also feel that it's my job to talk about it and to share it to share it with others, um, in a capacity of the health journey, um, of the, the, the ways I have used optimism and learned how to use optimism, not only in throughout my health journey, but in my life as a mom, as a leader within my company. Um, and as I've grown in my career and so much more, uh, but thank you so much. And I have to tell you something, you know, you made me tear up just a second ago and as a, re, it's kind of funny, but as a result, of my my surgery, I can only cry now with my left eye. So my right eye, this side stays completely happy and serious, while this eye gets sad. And so I turn, so I turn, I always try to like turn one way or the other when it happens because I kind of turn into this like Joker face. So.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome! You only get to see right? this mean, I mean, side of my face right at this moment. <laughs> that's awesome. Very cool. Love about those moments. <laughs> You do, you do. And, and I think that's part of optimism, right? I really feel like hand in hand, uh, us being not so serious and being yes. able to laugh at laugh at everything and anything. You know, my my husband absolutely is that. He's always able to find the humor in life. And he is definitely my source of. Uh, optimism and positivity when I'm oftentimes the dark one, not many people know that doing this show, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. And I did develop more of a darker sense of humor, I believe probably stemming from the law enforcement days where you, you, you had to, in order to cope with all of the horrific things that, that you mm-hmm. I- endured and saw and dealt with and, and, spat in the face and death and all of the things. Right. And so you, you develop more of a darker sense of humor and you really go to the people who are in that field because, or, or first responders because people don't relate with that. They don't, they don't know how to understand it. So anyway, my point is, uh, kind of went off track there, but yes, being, being that, that being able to laugh at yourself is, is huge. (laughs) It
1: is. It is. And, you know, I feel like I live my life like that, like where you have to use humor to, you know, break the ice of life basically, because that, that really is, is what it is. I remember waking up from my surgery and part of my surgery had to do with removing cells um, that were across my stomach to actually use in the reshaping of my head, which is titanium, by the way, on the side. And I woke up and I didn't realize that I was going to be such an extensive surgery on my stomach as well as my head. And my husband looked at me and he goes, well, you kind of got a tummy tuck. And I was like, okay, I mean, I guess that's a plus five to go through a 13 hour brain surgery. So, I mean, I think that it's like, from that point on, it's like, and I think even before that, but humor is so important and, and, and being, and having that, you know, optimistic spirit, it just kind of brings it back to life sometimes when it's like, you're in your darkest moments. It's like, God, just make me laugh somehow.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, let's, let's dive into a little bit. I know, I know that you said it would be a conversation for another time, but I I think that we can truly bring this in. Shauna, you talked about how people don't always have the resources to maintain the healthcare that, that they need. And that is really so much of what you're doing. And, When we talk about how you're working to provide this idea of healthcare on, on a global perspective, how do you bring this to light in what you're doing now?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, I actually use my story to, to showcase how someone, how, how well it went, basically, you know, I, I shouldn't have had to fight to get the answers for that six year period, but when I did get the answer and when I got the care, I had the resources to get the, to the care that I needed, to the right doctors, to the best doctors. And, and I had the ability to have everything I needed afterwards to recover um, in the way that I did. And you know, when I talk about that, it's, you know, the these children were helping and, and other organizations who are helping other people get that access to healthcare there are barriers, so many barriers to healthcare. And some, you know, sometimes it's the insurance, sometimes it's the simple, it's transportation, it's, you know, where they're located in the world. Um, it's just the ability to get to a doctor. And I think that, you know, that is really what I want to fight for. And what I, you know, I encourage my team and, and our organization to continue to strive for health equity is a dream. It's the dream that we want to achieve, that everyone has the resources they need to get dignified, and, and the dignified care and the best care and the ability to, to have all of the access, the ability to get there and to get it when they need it. And so uh, I use that in a way to showcase, you know, when I talk about how people can help, it's, it's we want people to have this story. I want people to have my same outcome.
0: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Share with us some of the things that you have already been creating or in the works that really make that dream a reality. Absolutely. My
1: so the the foundation um, that Oracle Health Foundation, we are engaged in. So I talked a little bit about those pediatric grants and helping children worldwide by removing that barrier, to essential healthcare and that barrier being a financial barrier. So we provide grants, anything from the hearing aids to the liver transplants. We're also working in schools across 45 states now with our school programs. One of those being, which is a heavy concentration in Kansas City, this is where that program is located, is our Healthy Kids Screening. We're screening elementary children in Kansas City up to 20,000 a year. Sometimes this is their first touch point with somebody who's checking their eyes their teeth, making sure that everything on their body is healthy and sound. And if it's not making referrals to doctors within their own zip codes, and we're working with their school nurses to do it. We're also taking it one step further because if they get a referral and that child and their family can't afford to go to that doctor or get those eyeglasses that they're going to be prescribed after that doctor visit, then we're going to buy them for them. And so we take it, we, we want to complete that circle for them. We want to close that gap. For them and that their health care so that's one way that we're trying to step in and really bring the health care to them get them to the health care we they need we're doing that across middle school social emotional wellness programs high school healthy lifestyle curriculum programs and there's so much more that we could do it's just wow. a i mean it's a huge ocean it's a big dream and it's like we're taking taking a little step But it's a step in the right direction. And so, uh, you know, I like to think that there's a lot we're still going to do, and I know there is, and I'm excited about that opportunity to continue on that mission and find that reality and the dream of health equity.
0: Shauna, I can totally see how exciting that is for you and you, it just lights you up. So that is beautiful. How passionate you are in the stories. You're right. The fact that you intertwine your story in all of the, the things, the engagements that you have with this is so key. You know, our stories is how we connect. It is, it is how we are inspired by others, where we do get to look into each other's eyes and say me too. And that just engages us to want to better ourselves because of everybody else's stories. And so a couple of things I heard really access is a big thing here. When you give people access to all of the resources that they need, I mean, that, that is, that's huge, right? They need the access to all of those things. And then the other thing I hear is a lot of preventative natures when you're educating people on how do they take control of their health and well-being now in order to prevent them from ever needing anything if if that came to the point. But so I love what you're doing. I can definitely see how engaged you are with it, how it lights you up and all of the things. Shana, what is next for you? You have a lot going on right now. You're very excited, but is there something that is a big audacious goal that you have right now?
1: Oh gosh. You know, I, I, I feel like I there's always something, always something new that I have that I love, that I love being part of or working on. And, you know, I, I love my career and I, and I, as you said, you can see it lights me up and love being part of this new move, a new walk forward and what's going to change in healthcare and connected systems and healthcare, because I lived in a disconnected system and I want to be part of that next with my company, which is Oracle. And I think that that's, so amazing to think about what we're going to be able to do in this next chapter. You know, I also couple that with some keynote speaking where I tie in this journey and healthcare and my knowledge in that digital healthcare world with my own health journey, um, powered by optimism. And that really is truly at the root of my story. And just in this last year, um, I decided to put pen to paper and I finally. Wrote the book, and I am so excited to be able to put that out in the world here soon. But it's a it's a book about you know being the practical optimist, the the optimist every day. It's a daily practice, (laughs) it's a life strategy, and it's all of those things that got me to that point. And it's not only what got me to that point, but Uh, the the small little things that people can do to live their life in that way. So I'm excited about that. And I'll be anxious, April, to share that with you when uh, that does launch.
0: I I agree with you. I sense another comeback for you here on the Wellness Driven Life Show because (laughs) I do want to dive into that. And I love the title, The Practical Optimist. Oh, my gosh. I mean, come on. (laughs) How better can I get? Yes. (laughs) Yes. It, it needs to be in that practicality realm, right? In order to maintain yeah. it to begin with. So I, I think that that is just brilliant. Just beautiful. Shauna, yeah. it has been yeah. lovely to have you on the wellness driven life show to show, share your story. You've been extraordinarily vulnerable. You brought out a lot of vulnerability in me. So thank you for accessing some points uh, in your host. So I would like to ask you, is there anything else that you want to share with us today?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much, April. I appreciate it. And and you're such a generous host and you do such an incredible job with, with this show. You know, I think that for me, um, my life's mission is to share a message, um, a message that is about hope. It's about confidence. It's about Pushing beyond your bounds and and being bold and and really being able to imagine imagine what you can do what you can do with others it's a it's a story of being an optimist uh, you know I tell people all the time that optimist thoughts precede your desired outcomes and they do one of the things that that I love to share is that I want people to be able to turn worry into wonder instead of seeing challenge challenges be courageous and curious. I don't want people to be risk adverse, but instead be audacious. And that is what I'm going to continue to do and to, to share with others. But that's what I hope for anyone listening today. And if anyone wants to reach out to me and talk a little bit more about that, I'd be happy to. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn, but uh it's something that I love and I'm passionate about. And April, thank you so much for allowing me to share my passion today.
0: It's been my absolute Pleasure. It certainly has. And so, yes, reach out to Shauna on LinkedIn, type in her first and last name, and you'll be connected. Also, for those of you listening, is always in the description below. So you can always find all of the guest information there. Also, if you have any insights and what was your biggest takeaways, be sure to leave them in the comments section below and we'll be sure to get back with you. And so thank you so much for those of you tuning in, listening without you, the show wouldn't be possible. Thank you so much. And thank you again, Shauna, for being our beautiful guest. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Goodbye for now.